Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. And just like that, Super Bowl 58 is set. Chiefs Niners in two weeks right here in Las Vegas. And boy, did the road to get us here deliver hell of a championship Sunday as we welcome you into this Monday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni with you. Dressed for the occasion of what was the best second half comeback. Of course you are. Where's your pom-poms? There we go. Where the hell's your pom-poms? I mean, geez, oh man, you got all the colors on. Uh, I should bring my helmet out there with you. My my 49er helmet. Just put let you put it right there on the desk. Run your lap around. There you go. Yes, sir. We got to get congratulations. Thank you. We got to get the vibes right for what was the best second half comeback yeah. in conference championship history, which still is unbelievable to take in, Michael. Yesterday, like, what what did you think most? Was it the Lions eventually collapsing, or was it a combination of them falling apart and not doing what they were doing best in the first half, and the 49ers playing as good of a half of football as you could? Well, believe it or not, there's this thing called momentum, right? Now, I know a lot of people in the analytical community pay no attention to it because they keep looking at their chart and they say, go for it on fourth down. Don't go for it on fourth. Oh, they never say don't go for it on fourth down. But the momentum does matter. And, you know, and and certainly momentum swung on that fourth down play and the Niners got their act together and they finally the next you know they run the play to Debo Debo makes a nice run and next thing you know Ayuk makes that incredible catch and and momentum swung in their favor it did and that's something that only the people participating in the game can sense. We see it in basketball all the time, right? You know, you're up by 20 in hoops. The next thing, the team makes a run. Coach calls timeout. You know, cut it to eight. That momentum swing. Now it swings back and forth within the game, and sometimes you can change it. But I thought for sure the momentum swung on the the missed fourth down opportunity and the 49ers capitalizing on it. And then all of a sudden, the fumble. And next thing you know, we went from 24 to 7 to start the fourth quarter, to start the second half, to three minutes remaining in the third quarter, 24-24. And momentum really did a big part of it. Yep. It was uh, 27 unanswered points for the San Francisco 49ers there in the second half. Brock Purdy went 13 of 16, 174 yards, a touchdown, and 49 rushing yards as well. So orchestrating five straight scoring drives for the San Francisco team. But because you mentioned the fourth downs and how critical that was from a momentum standpoint, what did you make of Dan Campbell's decision to continue to go for it on fourth down, but also not going for it at the end of the first half and electing to kick the field goal on that fourth and three? Great question. So I think what happened was when you listen to the interview at halftime, when he comes off the field and he just was kind of apologizing to all the people that that praise him for being so aggressive. Well, you know, we were just a little bit. We were a yard or two out. Really? 
you went for it on fourth down and, and when you had a chance to kick the extra point in Dallas. How is yardage ever going to make that decision for you, right? <laughs> like, seriously. Okay, you could say that, but, you know, wh what happened in Dallas, right? I think he felt like he really regretted that decision, and I think he did the right thing. Look, the last time we saw that decision, Andy Reid made it in Kansas City, and he lost momentum in that game. And, oh, by the way, didn't the Bengals come back from a deficit and win that game, right? Yeah. So, like, I think he regretted that. And I said to myself, and I wrote it in my notebook, the next time he gets a fourth down, it's a gimme. He's going for it. And he went for it. And, you know, look, you could say, when you're up 17, it's 24 to 10. If he makes the field goal, and understanding he's got to make it, he goes up 27 to 10. He also is going to get the ball three to four more times in the game. And now, into the decision has to be layered. Okay, Kyle Shanahan playing from behind. Kyle Shanahan in a drop-back pass game because now this is what it's going to become. If I go up 17, it's a drop-back pass game. They can't run their little runs. They can't run their little bubbles. They're going to have to throw it. We're going to have to, Purdy's going to have to throw it from the pocket. And I'm kicking the hell out of your two guards, Feliciano and Banks. I'm pushing them right back into Purdy's lap with my tackles. So I'm weighing that. I kick it there. I go up 17 with seven minutes, with 22 minutes remaining in the game. I'm going to be hard to beat at that point. Again, they made their run. They cut it. Now I can get it back to 17. To me, that was the one that I, I, I just didn't understand. And then to me, the one that he put himself in checkmate with, really, and this was checkmate, is when he called timeout. Yeah. When he called timeout, when literally he had to be saying on the headset, fellas, I'm not calling timeout. Ben, whatever play you call here, you got to throw in the end zone. I'm not calling timeout. And Ben runs it. Ben runs it. He had to okay it. He's got the call mm -hmm. sheet in his hand. And now he calls timeout. That's checkmate. Game over. Game was over. At that moment, the game was over. Unless they fumbled or did. Or, because getting the onside kick, you and I both know, is almost damn near impossible. Yeah, in today's NFL, onside kicks just, just don't happen. And obviously, they ended up having the illegal touch on that play anyways. But credit George Kittle for jumping on top of it. Let, let's hear from Dan Campbell postgame talking about those fourth down decisions. Because he made it clear, although it was stressful, he did not regret going for it on fourth down in either situation. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back. I don't regret those decisions. And that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. We didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out. But I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. And he will get the scrutiny, but but I, I get it to the extent of this is what got you here, right? And this is a team that went for it on 34% of fourth downs this season, the highest rate of any team in this century. But they were only 50%, but they were only 50%. We act well, like they get it every time. They were only 50, they were 21 for 40 over the season on fourth down calls. So, like, nobody mentions they only had a 50% success rate on fourth down through the entire, through the most that they've ever done. They just keep saying, go for it, go for it, Dan, be aggressive. There's a difference between being aggressive and being strategical and understanding the game, having strategy within every decision on fourth down, to me, has to be independent of everything else you've done. It has to be a standalone and watch the game and layer the decision based on what you're seeing. Like, I, I, I'm not going to be critical. When he didn't kick the 47-yard field goal to tie the game, okay, you could say, well, all right, you know, I, I mean, I could get, I, I'm not going to kill him on that one. To me, but when he decided to not kick the field goal, did he think his defense was going to give him the ball back in three plays? So, Michael, like, I'm not, I'm not anti- analytics by any means but I think that there needs to be a give and take of understanding circumstance understanding who's out there on the field and what situation it is and also like from a coaching perspective you tell me if you agree with this or not but understanding that sometimes the knockout punch is the field goal right like right. you don't have to be aggressive to have that like to get you to make it a three possession game I feel like is enough to make it defeating on the other side you don't need the touchdown there to if you have an opportunity to tie the game after you see San Francisco go on this run, you're going to need the field goal regardless later. Like just there's different situational things where I just didn't understand 
why and granted field goals are not gimmies, right? You're not guaranteed to get those points in any situation, but I just feel like there's circumstances where you should take the field goal and try to make sure you're walking away with points on the board. You best that you can. You know, you, I couldn't agree more, Stormy, because it's cause and effect. Like, if I go up 17, what does that cause? What does that do to affect the 49er offense? Yes. Okay, that's, to me, where I am on this. It forces them into a drop-back pass game. Okay, it forces them into doing something they're not comfortable doing. It actually gives me a chance, because I'm kicking their butt up front. I mean, Aaron Glenn went into that game saying, you know what, Kyle, I respect you but your offensive line isn't very good, and I'm going to power your line back, and I'm going to make sure you can't run the ball. I'm going to be in a five-man line. I'm not going small. I'm going to play big. I'm going to put you on the ropes and punch you. Right? I'm not going to let you spread me out. I don't care. I'm not going into nickel. I'm going to punch you. And he did, and they were able to push him back, and Purdy throws the interception. He's got guys in his face. It was hard. You know, and, and to me, once they broke that dam, and look, let's face it, Purdy scrambling is what won the game. Mm. I mean, he gets 48 yards rushing. I think he had 51, and then he lost the yards. Watch the run after the fumble. Watch the run after the fumble. You know, you talk about Purdy's not a good athlete. Purdy's mm. Mr. Irrelevant. Watch him run away from Brian Branch. Watch him on that run. Branch is spying on him. He's coming down. He sees him. He can't get him on the ground. Purdy's athleticism is hidden within the game. The, the throw he makes to put it 24 to 17, moves slightly in the pocket, and he finds and he throws a touchdown pass. Then the scramble to get the ball to the five-yard line. And, and watch it again. He's got, he's got Branch right track. Branch doesn't even touch him. And Branch is trying. So to me, again, all these decisions, they are not evaluated based on results. They're evaluated based on how much data did you put into your decision analysis. And if everything comes out, go for it. Then you really are never making decisions. You're just going for it. You're playing carefree. There's got to be some strategy to it. And don't tell me you because the ball was at the three, you decided to kick the field goal when in Green Bay, when the penalty happened and the ball got moved back to the eight, you still went for two. Well, Michael, and for, for as much as I know, we talked about the momentum and those being momentum swings and moments that opened the door for San Francisco to slide back in. There were a lot of other things, too, that I just didn't understand about the Lions game plan, that they were having so much success crushing San Francisco in the trenches, running the football in the first half. Like, how many third and longs were they completing to just, like, take away the will of San Francisco in the first half? And then the run game, in the second half, running backs ran it seven times for 32 yards after in the first half running it 20 times for 106. Like, why are you shifting what has worked and that continued to gash them? I, there were just a lot of uh, coaching decisions I didn't understand throughout the course of this game from Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I thought their offensive line literally kicked the crap. I mean, yeah. you can talk about Chase Young being the second pick overall in the draft. You know, let's have it. That, that was not a good pick. I mean, that's more hype than it is reality. He's been one-on-one, doesn't play the run at all. Look at his effort on, on the Gibbs touchdown run. It's atrocious. I mean, so, yeah, I agree with you. We'll look at the AFC side of things when we come back. Just getting started here on the Lombardi Line. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. 
Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you haven't already, make sure you check out the new VEASAN.com. It's got a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, and a mobile first focus on today's head page. In addition to breaking down early predictions for Super Bowl 58, we got NBA best bets and player props for today's 12-game slate from JVT as well as Zach Cohen. Check out the new VEASAN.com today. And just one last thought on the NFC side of things in the 49ers win yesterday. San Francisco, Michael, was this close, despite being down 17 at halftime, to still covering the number. They had a 10-point lead late. Like, the back door ended up being open for Detroit like we thought it might be before the game, but I did not see it in that case. No, I mean, wow, that was one of those where, you know, and again, it's like you ask yourself constantly in the game, and we certainly did this in the first game in Baltimore, Kansas City. It's like, what does it, what is it going to take to win this game? And I thought for sure at halftime when it was 17-7, to I'm thinking Baltimore, Kansas City, that game's going to be in the 27-24 range. It, nobody's – we got three points. Yeah, I got a field goal. And if you're Dan Campbell, when you kick – if you kick that field goal to, to go up 17 – you're sitting there saying, I got a chance to get to 37 here. Can they get to 37, right? Like, that's how you're thinking. You're not thinking about, well, I'm, you know, I didn't want to settle for three. I wanted to keep the ball. No, you're thinking about what do I need to get to to win this game? How many points? It's a, remember, the game is still an accumulation of points, no matter mm-hmm. what they try to tell us. It's so you accumulate points and how many points you have at the end. It is not a game of we're going to have, well, it was the right, it was the right decision, bad outcome. That's not the case in football because the bad outcome is you're not playing anymore. So every decision is predicated on how many more possessions we have, how many more, what point total can we get to to win this game? Like, nobody ever talks about it during the game. What do we need to win the game? How many points are we going to need to win this game? If you're Dan Campbell and I get 27, okay, I know I'm going to get the ball three more times. There's seven minutes to go in the third quarter. I'm going to have a chance to get it at least three, maybe four more times. If I get to 37, how does Kyle get to 37? How does he get there? He don't have enough possessions to get there. And he's got a kicker that can't kick. Nobody, nobody thought Moody would make the 43-yarder that he made. They were nervous as hell. They were nervous on the extra points. I was. So, like, that's the thing that's missing in the whole landscape of the decision-making is, like, how many points is it going to take to win the game? And can, if he gets to 37, he wins. And I can confirm sitting on my couch as a 49ers fan, zero faith in Jake Moody. And it was confirmed in the first half when he missed that field goal. But neither here nor there. Uh, 34-31 ends up being the final score. San Francisco wins, does not cover. The Lions cover the 7.5. Total goes over any number that you had, closing at 53.5. But the SGTs, the same game teaser, comes through once again for San Francisco. And they will now face the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs uh, headed back for the fourth time in the last five seasons after a 17-10 win over the Ravens. So as you referenced, a very different type of a game here. The Chiefs win as an underdog. Total stays well under because there was no offense getting into the end zone in the second half here. What did you make of the Ravens game plan first and foremost here? Well, I I said this on the pod. I I think you remember the movie Back to the Future? Of course. Right. Uh, The Ravens are biff. They're (laughs) fake tough guys. Like, seriously, they're fake. All this toughness, oh, we're tough, we're the Raven. 
Yeah, we got Ed Reed coming out. We got Ray Lewis coming out. We're this tough team. They, they're fake tough. Like, you know, you get all the penalties, right? They had eight penalties, four personal fouls. You know, I mean, it was just, it was really a bad uh, 12 men on the field, reach the ball over the goal line, throwing helmets. Kansas City had eight drives after, the, after they kicked three points and didn't, get, didn't have any points. Eight drives, didn't have any points. So to me, they, the Ravens lost this game, not yesterday. Not on Sunday. No, no, they didn't lose it on Sunday. They lost this game on Tuesday when they decided that it would be a good idea that Steve Spagnuolo is not going to blitz us and we're just going to run and we're going to throw the ball every play. Like, are we kidding ourselves? I mean, John Harbaugh and Steve Spagnuolo are on the same staff. Spagnuolo's blitzing whether he has corners or no corners. He's coming after you. He's going to make you have to defend it. And to go into that game and to walk out of that stadium where Andy Reid has 32 rushes and you have 16, mm-hmm. you telling me that's a good game plan? They run power on fourth down. They get 15 yards with the quarterback power, unbalanced line. They come back and repeat the play to Gus Edwards. They get 15 more. That was the last we saw. Running back rushing attempt three times past the 536 mark in the first quarter and never called another running back game. That game was lost on Tuesday. Mm. It, it was the design and the anticipation of your opponent. What was the strategy? What, what, what do we believe he was going to do? And, he, and we never adjusted in the game. They rushed for 81 yards, Michael, which snapped a streak of 35 straight games in which the Ravens offense had rushed for at least 100. It was the fifth longest in the NFL, including postseason games. And you you talk about their lack of a run game overall. They only had five run plays on 22 first and tens. And this is a Chiefs run defense. We know is like, what, 26th, 27th in the NFL. But they're like, no, let's pass it against the fifth best secondary in the league. It just it didn't make any sense. But Lamar Jackson, after the game, was asked about not only his reaction to how things played out, but was questioned specifically about the run game. Take a listen. We mad, you know, we, we got the disposition one game away from the Super Bowl that we all, well, that what I've been talking about, my team been talking about all season, and we fell short. And like I said, offense, we didn't put nothing on the board. We scored once. That's not like us, you know. We drove the ball down the field, that's cool, but we got to put points on the board. But I feel like my team just angry, you know. Not frustrated, we just angry because we know how hard we worked to get here. Lamar, do you think there was opportunities to run the ball more? Uh, I mean, we could have ran the ball. You know, we were just we was down, and we just try to you know put points on the board, try to get the ball down the field, and we just got to make something happen. There were just three designed runs after halftime, Michael, and of those 16 carries, five of them were Lamar Jackson scrambles, and even he wasn't using his legs the way that we anticipated him to. Like he like he was hesitant. I don't know. What did you see of Lamar Jackson running? Well, I, I didn't think they had a really good plan. I mean, first of all, when you get into what you know, when they got into some jumbo formations, first of all, let's put this out there: the the offensive line of the Ravens is a run blocking offensive line. It always is. It's a play action line. Morgan Moses and Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley is one of the highest paid players on their team, and he gets beat on a on a on a consistent basis and doesn't play all the games. I mean, he's well overpaid. He doesn't get you know. It's not to the level. And so when you take away what they do well, which is run block and play action pass, and you become a a drop back pass game, which you really can't be, and you know Spagnola is going to blitz you. And here's the thing. Know your personnel, right? One thing you have Lamar. You know Lamar is going to create plays with his arm and with his legs. And you know that he wants to be able to have room to run. But you're not going to get where he's not going to come to the line and go, oh, we're running 62. No, change it to 74. Oh, no. You know, like, no, that it, no, the plays that we're going to run is what we're going to run. And that's not a knock on Lamar. That's just how he runs the game. And to me, to get up into a chess match at the line of scrimmage and Spagnola won every one. I mean, he's got free runners coming crazy. It, it was really it was so disappointing in the, the fact that when we go back and look at all the Raven games, right? They, the first time Lamar played in the playoffs, the Chargers whooped them. Then they come Tennessee. They get down to Tennessee. Every time they've gotten down, they've panicked. Stormy, they panicked. The fake tough guy, Biff, they panicked. Somebody punched him in the mouth, and they didn't know what to do with it. Well, the thing I kept coming back to, and you know, like we talked about it plenty on the show yesterday when Rich Gannon was on here. He said as much, too, talking about this Chiefs team being one that you can't 
count out. And yes, we talk about the Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid of it all, but I think that the experience portion of what they've done being in six straight AFC Conference Championship games, being in what I said earlier is going to be a, a fourth Super Bowl appearance in five years. Like they know what it takes to be masters of the moment. And the Ravens, you, you use the word panic. They Maybe it's the inexperience of the moment. Maybe it's, it's the Chiefs knowing how to needle in what area. But I just felt like when we got to the second half of this game and we saw the Ravens continue to do, you know, whatever type things that they were doing on offense, that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes didn't have to overcompensate because their defense was doing enough and because they had the experience to take care of the moment. They did. You know, they didn't lose the game. I mean, look, they come into Baltimore. They don't get a false start. They don't have any penalties. Baltimore has all the penalties. Baltimore played with no composure, no discipline. I mean, it really was a team that would, you know, and, and, I, and I don't want to hear this nonsense. Well, you can never bet against Mahomes when he's a dog. Mahomes didn't beat them. The Chiefs beat the Ravens. Mahomes didn't beat Mahomes played perfectly. I, I, he was good. But it was a team effort that beat him. It wasn't one player. It was the ability to make critical plays. He made great throws. They ran the football, and their defense was dominant. Their defense took it away. It was not a – that's what's got to make John Harbaugh sick this whole offseason is he didn't get – if you go down losing to the Chiefs because Mahomes throws for 400 and makes ridiculous yeah. plays like he did to Kelsey over the middle, okay, I got it. They're just better than we are. But when, you, when he averages 5-5 a pass play and you lose – well, something's going on. You know, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't give our best. This was our best chance. For sure. He didn't need, and he didn't need to. Like, the, the Chiefs have embraced the ugly. They've embraced leaning on their defense. It doesn't have to be all Mahomes anymore. And credit them. Championship teams adapt, and it looks like that's what Kansas City has done in this spot. Sportsbooks across the country, by the way, needed Kansas City yesterday. We've got Thomas Gable, director of the race and sportsbook at the Borgata, coming up next. We'll get his sigh of relief live when we come back. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Put the VSIN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VSIN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VSIN Pro annual subscription. You'll get your first year for only $199. And all you got to do is use the promo code Lombardi. Get access to everything on our brand new and improved VSIN.com website, plus our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VSIN expert expert has the hot hand betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game plus betting systems premium analysis and 24 7 video access with the super bowl coming up in just two weeks by the way our super bowl betting guide is coming out with best bets and favorite props remember all you need to do is use the promo code lombardi you'll get your first year of vsin pro access for only 199 dollars. you can sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe welcome back to the lombardi line michael lombardi and stormy bon and tony with you as we check in in Atlantic City with Thomas Gable, director of the race and sportsbook out the, there at the Borgata. And we know that the Ravens just kept getting bet like crazy. It felt like all week sportsbooks were begging for Kansas City. How good were you feeling yesterday when the Chiefs came away with an outright upset? <laughs> we were in an interesting position uh, in that game, Stormy, because when you looked at our AFC conference uh, future liability, uh, we had a lot on Kansas City, a lot. So um, the game, you know, the game turned out fantastic. It, it was a wonderful result for us if you just looked at the results of the game. Uh, but when you take into account the future pool and the money we paid out on the Chiefs futures there, uh, it, it kind of all came out in the wash. So uh, obviously, I mean, there was a, just a huge swing in the future pool between Baltimore and Kansas City for us. So um, the way that that turned out, um, it, you know, it, it certainly could have been worse if we were taking a ton of Chiefs money for the game itself. Uh, then it would have been a disastrous result for us. But, uh, you know, we were we were able to take a lot of big uh, Baltimore money there and game i know closed five in some places we never hit five we we closed four and a half uh with baltimore laying it so uh in the end the the afc game it, it just it, it kind of um it just evened out everything with with the future liability uh and the way that that all played out there 
Were you surprised how little respect Kansas City, forget the futures market, was getting in the betting? I mean, everywhere you turned, everybody was moving the number. I kind of thought it was a little bit of a trap at four. Then it goes to four and a half. Like, were you surprised how little respect that, that Kansas City was getting? Uh, a, a little. I mean, you have to remember how good Baltimore looked, though, coming into that game. I mean, it, Baltimore, everybody was high on Baltimore. Um and Kansas City, I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, the narrative was they, they faced two defenses that have were previously decimated by injury, you know, who were playing second and third stringers uh, in Miami and Buffalo. So uh, a lot of people thought that this was going to be a mismatch and Baltimore being at home and it, it seemed like all the momentum was with Baltimore going into that game. And it's obviously not the way that it played out. So, uh, you know, and we can get into this a little bit later, but I think you have to take a, a long, hard look at your Kansas City power rating now, uh, especially after what we've seen to, uh, with them in the playoffs because, you know, how they looked in the regular season at times, especially towards the end, uh, is not the, the way that they're looking now. Well, before, before we get to the, the Super Bowl matchup and moving forward, let's just continue with what we saw yesterday and the NFC side of things because for as disappointing as it was for the Ravens, who looked to be the most dangerous of the four teams remaining, getting shut down and held to just 10 points, you have a Detroit Lions team that was America's sweetheart. Everybody and their mother is rooting for the Detroit Lions to make it to the Super Bowl this year. They have a 17-point lead at halftime and end up allowing 27 unanswered points from San Francisco in an eventual 34-30. to one loss. How was that for, for you guys from behind the counter and looking forward from a San Francisco and Detroit standpoint? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I feel I feel really bad for the Detroit fans out there. Uh, it's, you know, to get to that point, obviously, was a nice accomplishment for them, but they certainly had it uh, in their grasp and had to be feeling good there at halftime. Uh, and, you know, you I'll leave it to Michael to, to break down the game and the decision-making that went into it. And not only the coaching decision-making, but also uh, some of the play. Uh, and it was also the, the players on the field who, who cost them that game as well. But from a betting perspective, at least on the spread, very, very uh, evenly bet game. Good two-way action on the spread here uh, for that game. A little bit more, Lions money on the money line, but I'll tell you what we did see. And that was really in game, especially first half when the Lions jumped out to that lead and really looked to be dominating the game. Everybody got involved on the Lions. There was no in game uh, wagering really coming in on San Francisco. It was all on Detroit. So we were able to scoop uh, almost all of that up. Uh, so that game actually ended up pretty good when you take into account uh, what we saw in play there uh, on the betting market. And um, certainly, again, when you're looking at just both games, uh, just the games, not anything into the future pool. I mean, yesterday was a huge day, uh, the way that these games turned out for us. Uh, and, you know, San Fran, again, I think you need to take a long, hard look at their defense and the way that it's been. You know, Brock Party, give him give him credit. Uh, you know, he made the plays when he needed to. Uh, and Niners now get to the Super Bowl, which, uh, again, a couple weeks ago, when if you looked at these numbers here with the with the Niners and the Chiefs, the two teams that you have remaining, uh, you know, it would have been quite a different story in terms of the point spread than what you're seeing right now in the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's go there as, by the way, Michael having a little bit of technical difficulty, so we're looking to reconnect with him here in the next couple of minutes or in the commercial break. But TG, Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata in Atlantic City, joining us here on the Lombardi line. Let's go to that Super Bowl matchup, a rematch from a handful of years ago. When you talk about adjusting the power ratings for Kansas City and San Francisco, um, Kansas City obviously playing a very different brand of football now that they were earlier on in the season. And same thing for San Francisco who is playing such dominant football for the majority of the year and they've had to have come from behind wins each of the last two weeks winning in gritty fashion but but a little bit different in their defense not standing tall like we might have expected what did you guys open this number at and did you see quick money to San Fr to, to, to Kansas City like we've seen across the country 
Yeah, we opened two and a half, and that's exactly what you saw happen. It was, it's been uh, mostly Chiefs early money, so now down to one. Uh, total's still 47 and a half here. And, you know, again, Stormy, if you look back, let, let's just look back maybe a month and a half ago or so. It, making this, not, you probably would have said the Niners would have been about a five and a half, maybe yeah. a six-point favorite over Kansas City on a neutral. And uh, just you have to have adjusted both San Francisco downwards and Kansas City upwards uh, after the last couple of weeks. And, you know, obviously two and a half was not the right number. Um, market quickly, uh, quickly moved towards the Chiefs there. And uh, it's, you know, been almost all early Chiefs money. We just took a $75,000 bet uh, on the Chiefs uh, 20 minutes ago. So it's uh, the public certainly, I think, is going to be on Kansas City here. Uh, now, I would not be surprised if we start to see some some buyback on the Niners uh, in the next uh, week and a half or as we get closer to kick. I mean, a lot of things can happen here. Uh, in the next two weeks and, and how this is going to move. Uh, I don't People were asking me last night if um, the favorite may end up flipping and the Chiefs may go off the favorite. I don't really anticipate that happening. Oh. Uh, I, I think if, if anything, I think the Niners will, will remain the favorite here and maybe even move a little bit more back towards the Niners, back towards the original number. I know we're going to have two full weeks to preview this game and dive into where all of the money is going on a given day, TG. But what, what do you think, generally speaking, of this matchup? Who do you see being the Super Bowl winner this year? Well, I, I mean, listen, the Chiefs defense has been outstanding. I mean, that's really been the, the, the piece of this team that they have stood on all season long. Uh, even when the, the, the offense have been dropping passes and so forth. Um, but when you look at this matchup, I think you have to give the edge to the Chiefs defensively. You have to give the edge to them in special teams, and I'd give the advantage to them in the coaching. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly see why the Chiefs are an appealing team to, to, to the public at this point. <laughs> I was not excited as a 49ers fan when I, I, t I tell you, TG, I celebrated. and I was so happy 49ers finished the comeback. They won the game yesterday. And that feeling lasted all of a minute until I realized, oh, dang, now we have to play the Chiefs again. <laughs> so great. Um, yeah. Appreciate your time today. You're awesome. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks. Sorry. And hopefully we will. I mean, we will. We'll be able to connect with Michael again here in the commercial break. But the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs looking to be the first repeat champion since the 03-04 New England Patriots heading to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. The San Francisco 49ers, meanwhile, they've been here a couple of times. This is their third appearance in the big game since 2011, but have not won a Super Bowl since 1994. Who will end up on top? We'll continue to preview that Super Bowl matchup, where the number currently sits, and more as we wrap up Hour 1 on the Lombardi Line. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSEN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58. Again, use that code VSEN, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. We got Mr. Michael Lombardi back connected with us, which, by the way, Michael, good news. Next week, with the Super Bowl being out here in Las Vegas, we're not going to have to worry about any of that stuff because you'll be in person here in Vegas. Yeah, I will be right there with you. We'll be there on Radio Row. We'll be able to do our show. We'll be able to listen to all the narrative. What is the narrative you think going to be? Are we past? Are we past the Brock Purdy is still not a good player? Do you think we got past that in that game? Well, I or, know. For- I mean. I know, Michael, for Ryan Clark, who is calling for Justin Fields to be the next quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, oh, that this morning he said that Brock Purdy has separated himself, that he has shown he is a franchise quarterback. So maybe things are changing. It's amazing how that can happen overnight. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's good to know. I'm glad I didn't watch that program. So that's perfect. Uh, well, as we look to Super Bowl 58, the 49ers opened on that look ahead line as a two and a half point favorite. We have already seen a big shift there. 65% of the handle coming in on the Kansas City Chiefs. They're now getting one total 47 and a half. The Chiefs, by the way, Michael, just continue to have success in that underdog role. They're the ninth team yeah. in the last 20 seasons to pull off upsets in the divisional round and the conference championship. And according to ESPN stats and info, six of the last Last eight went on to win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, 10-1-1 ATS as a dog, nine outright wins. You know, the question I have, Stormy, is like, how do you not take away Kelsey? I mean, the, the one thing you got to know about this new version of Kansas City, which happened after Christmas Day, right? We talked about it on the show, that Andy Reid went back to the think tank and said, you know what, fellas, we can't win like this. We're changing. But Kelsey's still Kelsey. I mean, I know he made some great plays, but why can't why didn't they take him out? His first half was dominating. Yeah. And I, I mean, look, they, they were able to just go eight possessions without scoring and you still won. And look, I know their defense is good. I get that. But this defense gave up 157 yards rushing to the Raiders when the game was on the line. They couldn't stop the Raiders back on Christmas Day. And we saw Buffalo run the ball for 182 yards against him. Of course, we saw, for whatever reason, Todd Munkin decided not to run the ball. So I don't think that'll be Kyle Shanahan's intent. The concern you have in this game where it seems very appealing is if San Francisco tries to play that soft zone, that cover three, that, you know, we're going to drop the spots and break on the football. That ain't going to work against Mahomes. I can tell you that right now. That will not work. And this Kansas City offensive line is playing much better than it did earlier in the year. It is playing at a higher level than it ever has. Okay, so that's one thing. Two, when you sit there and you watch San Francisco, and you're a San Francisco fan, so I think you would also agree with this, their tackling this year compared to last year is like like years different. They're not the same tackling team. 
you can make yards after contact. They don't rally to the football to the same level that we've seen them do it in the past. And this is going to make Kansas City's offense, which is rather pedestrian. I mean, they've averaged like 26 points a game. Last, you know, going into that game, the three games prior that we were scouting, they averaged 26 points. Yesterday, they scored 17. If you'd have told me they were going to score 17, Stormy, I would have taken everything and betted on the Ravens. Yeah, the Chiefs have only scored over 30 points once this year and they lost that game. So it's, you know, it's a very, very different type of offensive team than we're used to. Mahomes had the worst statistical season of his career, ranked 19th in QBR and passing plays. But oh, guess what? They're still in the Super Bowl. That's why fans are so frustrated with this Kansas City Chiefs team, because this was the year they were supposed to be vulnerable. I mean, heck, last yeah. year was the year they were supposed to be vulnerable and they won it all. But this season, and things looked different. Wide receivers led the league and dropped passes. But to your point, the offensive line has played much better. They've seemed to figure things out. And l- let's take a listen to Patrick Mahomes if we can, because he spoke to the media after the game about when the defense is playing a certain way, he adjusts the way that he performs on offense as well. I found this interesting. Spags, it seems like when the games get bigger, when the challenges get higher, he performs even better. Um, and um, the guys execute the game plan well. Um, they got timely turnovers that played down down at the goal line, punching the ball out. Uh, I think it was Sneed and recovering it. That was, that was a timely turnover, obviously. And um, whenever they're rolling like that, I have to kind of manage my game. Um, that's stuff that I've learned throughout the season is even if we're not having the success that I want to have, the defense is rolling and getting stopped. So let's just take the, take the safe choice, get the ball out of my hand, don't turn the ball over and let's go win a football game. See, and that's something I think that other teams maybe yeah. don't recognize as much, yesterday being great evidence of that. Yeah, I, th- I think to me, this is what Mahomes has done since Christmas Day, right? Since he was embarrassed Christmas Day, and he was, he said, and he was willing to accept coaching. He was willing to take in and say, we have to change. And it's not about my numbers. And I don't care if I finish 16th yeah. overall. This is similar to when early in Brady's career when they were running the ball more than throwing it. I mean, he's modified his game to fix what they need to do to win the game. He's put the team in front of himself. Now, that doesn't mean he's not playing well. He's playing really well. The throws he's made, the accuracy have been incredible. But he's not – the team is carrying everybody – not Mahomes has just put them on their back because they tried that earlier in the year. They've tried that. They couldn't do it. It didn't work. They were turning the ball over too much. He has not thrown an interception since that Christmas Day game. He's protected the football. They're playing smart. I think Andy Reid's calling a game that gives his team a chance to win the game and credit them for understanding how they needed to handle that. So I think this is the tall order. Now, Kyle Shanahan's got to figure out what can I do defensively to fix these problems? I got to fix it because if I sit there and rush four and don't get home to Mahomes, he's going to have 20 points by the first half. And and to your point, too, about Mahomes being different, like in the postseason, there's another level that he seems to elevate to. And he's he's already got the accolades, right? He's got MVPs. He's he's got Super Bowl wins. He doesn't need to prove himself anymore. So I think that says a lot about him of having the ability to change his game situationally here in the playoffs. But his last six postseason games, 70 percent completions, 11 touchdowns, no picks. And this offense has shown different signs of life. And Travis Kelsey, too, for a guy who we talk about being 34 years old and he's not at his game anymore this season was was not anywhere near his best he's caught 16 of 17 targets and has three touchdowns right now it's it's remarkable to me that they're able to find ways to do this and and they haven't dropped passes i mean scantling now that scantling doesn't drop the deep pass he caught another deep pass i mean they've they've caught the ball whereas we saw the ravens we saw the lions kind of mess this up you know and to me, this is what has to be driving every team in the league crazy is this is our chance to beat Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They're not the same team. This is the best defense they've had, but this is by far the worst offense that they've had from the offensive line, the tackles particularly, to the skill players. I mean, Baltimore had better skill. They had better. They had bet more depth at tight end. Their offensive line decided to play one of its worst games of the year. It did. And, you know, their quarterback didn't play well. And their offensive coordinator didn't put them in the right plan. Everything went wrong for Baltimore. But we keep saying that, you know, we keep yeah. saying that Buffalo had a chance to win that game and they couldn't do it. Right. Buffalo couldn't do it. Miami, you know, they were wounded when they went in there. They didn't have a chance. They were not the same team. But it goes back to the coaching. That's why 
It's not about who's your quarterback. It's about how the three elements of your football team work together. Now, like I mentioned off the top already, we're not even 24 hours since yesterday's game has been concluded, but we've already seen serious line movement where the Chiefs go from a, getting two and a half points to now getting one from a um, just a price standpoint on the money line. San Francisco goes from minus 155 to just minus 118. The total from 49 down to 47. And this is, of course, a rematch from Super Bowl 58 as well. Um, four years ago, when San Francisco led that game 20 to 10 after the third quarter and Kansas City comes surging back. Jimmy Garoppolo misses that key throw that I feel like he would have been talked about and San Francisco would have been talked about in such a different light after that. The Chiefs also won the most recent matchup in October of 2022. Chiefs won by three touchdowns in that game. I feel like San Francisco will be hungry for vengeance. We know the amount of talent that they have, but again, it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid and it's this Chiefs team that has more experience than anybody right now as far as active teams go in this big in, on the biggest stage. And as a 49ers fan, I'm nervous about it. Yeah, I would be because if you remember the interception, I think it was or a pass, Chris Jones was over the right guard of the 49ers and he got pressure on 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 Jimmy Garoppolo and Kittle was open on the play, but Garoppolo couldn't step up in the pocket or deliver the football. And that play really turned the tie, right? And then the Tyreek Hill play third and 18, he makes an incredible catch. Remember the, the, the interception, the, the pass interference in the end zone, right? All those things went against them. But my point here is if this 49er offensive line inside doesn't play better, we'll have the same result as the last Super Bowl. The 49ers have never beat the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the three instances, but they have also never played a 49ers team with Brock Purdy on it. How is this team different? We'll discuss that and more. Continue to recap everything we saw from Championship Sunday yesterday when we return for Hour 2 of the Lombardi Line. Stay with us. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.